0: And if you need a Bible, just raise your hand and somebody will slip you a Bible and turn to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. We're going to begin reading that verse 9. Just a couple quick announcements. Middle schoolers, they're going to be reminding the middle schoolers of their event this Saturday, Nerf Wars. So be praying for the church and everything will be put back together for Sunday morning. So um, 6, 8 o'clock parents and... Be sure to pick them up at 8 o'clock or they'll be here till midnight uh, playing that. So um, they have a great time. So they're looking forward to it. Also, I just put away the announcements. Um, We do have First Fridays, May 4th for young married couples, Friday 4th. So you can go to the website or see Travis, who's leading worship for that. And then Men's Breakfast, guys, if you can sign up for that. Breakfast is free. It's going to be Saturday, May the 12th. And that's at 830 30. And uh, so uh, looking forward to just spending some time together, having a time of fellowship and and just uh, encouraging one another. Calvary Chapel Magazine, new edition is out. Very well done. So take a look at it. Grab one. They're free in the bookstore, one per family. And uh, very good articles, which will encourage you. The ministry Calvary Chapel taking place all over the world so I love this magazine and uh, always look forward to the new copy so see this is a benefit of you sitting up front so you get yeah (laughs) because everybody wants to sit in the back so but it's good to have everybody here one of the things that I've gotten the last couple weeks is um, I've gotten a, a, a few emails well several emails about two weeks ago we were doing an update on what's taking place in the Middle East and of course I said by the weekend um, we could see the United States strike Syria and that's what happened as they joined in the United States, France and Great Britain with an alliance that um, we ended up uh, firing 105 missiles into Syria at three different sites. So. Some have been asking, is that it, as uh, the government and the president has come out and said, mission accomplished, and uh, they accomplished what they wanted to. Uh, Our military (laughs) leaders are saying, uh, had a press conference saying, we set back uh, the chemical weapons program in Syria years. Uh, There's some debate in that, uh, particularly uh, with sources in Israel. but. So some people have been asking, is that it? Well, it's not it. Uh, We know eventually that Ezekiel 38 and 39 will be fulfilled. We don't know how this campaign is going to end, um, but we do see the pieces coming together more and more all the time. And uh, just kind of a little update, uh, because I want you to be wise. I want you to be watching. Uh, I want you to be current on the things that are taking place. Remember, I always tell you that when it comes to end-time prophecy, you watch Israel. And you watch what's going on in the events of Israel. But uh, the Israelis had come out and said, well, yeah, you, you blew up three buildings, but pretty much they were empty. And, um, and what happened was that um, as they were planning for this strike, um, I don't know all the ins and outs, just kind of what I read and sources that, Um, to me are more reliable than some of the other media. Um, But they, you know, President Trump apparently wanted to do a more extensive uh, military action and and, uh, striking more targets, but some of the um, military and secretary of defense of the United States urged him not to do that. Um, uh, Mattis said if you do that, Uh, you're going to start World War III and um, it's going to really escalate with Russia. So they got down to three targets and actually kind of informed Russia uh, what those three targets were. Russia then would inform Syria, and Syria cleared those buildings out. And if you'd notice that there was no casualties, um, was any of the chemical weapons hit? probably very doubtful because they had time to move those chemical weapons. And if you watch the news, have you ever noticed, and this is what the Israelis are pointing out, um, is that people are walking around in their T-shirts and jeans in those sites that were bombed. There's no rubber gloves, there's no protective covering. If there was chemical weapons there, obviously you would see those kinds of things. So we don't know what exactly, you know, what was bombed, empty buildings, or if there was a setback of serious chemical weapons. But uh, where it's getting interesting, Israel um, that same week revealed that you recall that a couple months ago, back in February, there was a drone that came into the territory of Israel and uh, it was in Israel for 30 seconds before uh, it was shot down. Well, they have confirmed that that Iranian drone had a bomb on it and was going somewhere in Israel to target it. So Israel, that same week that um, we struck Syria in those three sites, that Israel, they don't advertise their military activity. Uh, They're ones that don't talk about it. They don't deny it. They don't confirm it but a T-4 air base, Syrian air base, was struck, and what was struck was an Iranian um, building where they were making drones, and um, Iranian drones. So that was struck, and seven uh, revolutionary guards of Iran were killed, and so Iran has vowed revenge against Israel, but where it's really getting tense once again is Russia is now going to deploy the S-300 missile um, defense batteries in Syria, probably around the palace of Assad and other places. And Israel has said that if you put that advanced missile system in, anti-aircraft batteries in, we will destroy them. And Russia has said uh, in the headlines uh, the Israelis were waking up. Russia said to warn of catastrophic result if Israel hits its S-300s in Syria. One of the things, if you follow the news and kind of watch these things, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu has uh, talked Russia from uh, using that S-300 defense uh, missile you know, uh, system in Syria, which is very advanced and to keep it out of Syria, but Russia now, because of these airstrikes, said we're going to put them in. In Israel, you better not strike. Uh, If you do, it's going to be catastrophic for you. And Israel has said, we are going to strike. So we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen, and we'll just keep watching, but I want you to be aware of what's going on. And this morning, the Israelis uh, who, you know, they watch the news so much, uh, woke up with the headlines in the Jerusalem Post that Russia are likely to deliver S-300 missiles to Syria. And, um, and they haven't ruled out striking them, so let's keep watching it, keep praying. Uh, like I said, we don't know what this latest campaign is going to do. Also be watching for the next couple weeks, because on May 12th, there may be a decision by uh, President Trump to withdraw from the Iran nuclear deal, and uh, that's why the president of... France has been here in our country and addressed joint uh, session of Congress today to try to talk him out of withdrawing from that Iran nuclear deal. Um, So we'll see, we'll keep watching. Tensions, what I'm saying, are still very high. Israel's very much on high alert, and um, and things are, uh, you know, could change very quickly. So we want to keep praying, we want to keep watching. Uh, as we see the storm clouds that are gathering. And uh, we'll just um, update you on those things. So that's a little update, but we wanna get into our study here. You you know, it's interesting, as we get into Isaiah chapter 29, as I've said this before, I've heard uh, Bible teachers say that um, the Old Testament, uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and, and the books of the prophets really aren't relevant to us today. And as we go through chapter 29, hoping to get into chapter 30, I I can't think of a more uh, important message that we're going to be hearing today that is for us, even though these words were written 2,700 years ago. But you recall that Isaiah, as we opened up chapter 29, that he began to speak against Jerusalem, Ariel, which is another name for the city. And we know that at this time that not only the house of israel is very close as in chapter 28 this prophecy that the assyrians are going to come and they're going to take you away captive, uh, house of Israel, the ten northern tribes. And that would happen only about three or four years after chapter 28, Isaiah had penned these words and given this prophecy. And you've got to understand that the Assyrians, no one in, in history at that time had seen such an, uh, uh, a strong cruel army like the Assyrians. The Egyptians were strong, the Ethiopians, they had huge armies as we see the history of the Ethiopians, but even they together wanting to join together cowered at the Assyrians. The Assyrians were noted for their cruelty and their torture and coming in and skinning people alive and putting their skin on the walls of the city Um, and There's even an Assyrian record of one village that they came into um, and they gouged out 14,000 people their eyes and then took them away captive as slaves. That's how cruel they were. So you got to understand that there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, They are facing very perilous times right now. And here is Isaiah saying God wants to protect you and God wants to work if you would only turn to him. But you're turning to these false gods. You won't repent of your sin. And so these words are given to them and, and they won't listen to the teaching of God. And then as we read in verse 9 of Isaiah chapter 29, he talks about the blindness of disobedience. He, he writes, inspired by the spirit of God, pause and wonder and blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk, but not with wine. They stagnate but not with intoxicating drink for the Lord has poured out on you a spirit of deep sleep and has closed your eyes namely the prophets and he has covered your heads namely the seers so we see that this spirit of blindness and stupor of Jerusalem uh, is there and, and as he indicts not only did he indict the civil leaders but now he's indicting the religious leaders, the false prophets and seers. That's another name for a prophet. And it's important for you and I as we are reading this that we don't come to that place of we're we're sleeping, that spiritual stupor or sleepiness. And we need to be wise in the days in which we're living in. And it's interesting, and he says that you are drunk but not with wine. You stagger but not with intoxicating drink in other words because you're blind to the truth and you will not turn to the lord it's like this this spiritual stupor that you are in that is causing this blindness and you staggering around being tossed to and fro uh being confused and no stability in your life because you're not anchored to the truth of god's word so we need to be wise we need to be discerning in the days in which we were living in i was reminded of what paul writes in romans chapter 13 verse 11 and paul says this and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed and here is paul writing to the romans at this time in the early church and he's saying listen it's high time to wake out of sleep And unfortunately, what can happen is that we get spiritually sleepy, we get spiritually lazy, and it's so amazing how many times that we read in the New Testament that you and I as Christians are being told that we need to be awake. That our salvation is nearer than we think. And he goes on and he says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness or lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So Paul is saying walk in holiness and walk in purity. Put away the things of the flesh and don't make provision for the flesh. So there are so many things that can come into our lives easily. What we watch on TV, what we pull up on the computer, uh, the different things that we listen to that will cause us to fulfill our lusts or, or at least want to do it, We're making provision for the flesh. And we want to make sure that we're walking in the spirit and putting those things off. And, and it's a high time to awake. Don't go to sleep is what we're being told. And Isaiah's writing this 2,700 years ago. But let's continue reading for the whole vision has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed which men delivered it to one who is literate saying read this please and he says i cannot for it is sealed and then the book is delivered to one who is illiterate saying read this please and he says i am not literate as it continues they are illiterate in other words they're not receiving the truth of god's word They had watered down the Word of God so much to where it was meaningless and even in some circles of the church today we are seeing that happen that they quote a few verses they they read from the Sermon on the Mount they they you know will quote the Bible but really they have made the Word of God of no effect and that's why it's so important that we really understand what is being told to us as we go through the Word of God and and as We continue in verse 13, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, they have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. The the Lord never leaves us without any hope. And even though the people were ignoring his word and there was a blindness and a stupor that was happening spiritually in the nation, the house of Israel and the house of Judah at this time, and they were spiritually illiterate, we see that the Lord says that I am going to do a work. We know that here in verse 13 that Jesus would quote this in Matthew chapter 15 to the religious leaders. Again, the religious leaders, you can have a form of religiousness and yet be so far away from the Lord. And that's what was happening with the religious leaders in Jesus' day. The religious leaders here as he's indicting the, the prophets and the seers, but also what can happen today. There are those behind the pulpit that do not believe that God's word is sufficient. They don't believe in the inspiration of the word of God, and they don't believe in the sufficiency of the word of God. And yet people are going through, you know, uh, being in in church, and and they haven't grown. Remember that it was the book of Hebrews in chapter 5 that warned them about spiritual immaturity and dullness of hearing. He says at a time that you ought to be teachers. And what I pray that this is always a ministry that you're growing in the word of God, because we're going through it, and we're we're looking at it, and, and the word of God is being taught with integrity. And what the word of God has to say. But he does want to do marvelous work. Verse 14. And he is going to do a marvelous work. As we take the word of God. And hide it in our hearts. And apply it in our lives. And as we stand on the word of God. Here at Calvary Chapel. It reminds me so much of Acts chapter 4. When Peter and John. And the apostles were before. The Sanhedrin council. And, and, and they perceived that they were untrained and uneducated men, but they marveled because they had been with Jesus. Just their knowledge of the scripture. And of course, that was right after Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and then again at the temple and preached a powerful sermon, quoting scripture in the Old Testament and just full of the Holy Spirit. And see, God wants to use us in that way as well. Because as Paul writes in chapter 1 of the book of Corinthians, that he has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things of the world to put down the strong and the things that are not to put to naught the things that are that no man will glory in his presence. He wants to use you, he wants to use me in giving the Word of God in this day to others. And In verse 15, woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the Lord and their works are in the dark. They say who sees us and who knows us. Listen, God sees everything. Everything is open and naked before the Lord, right? So it's foolish to try to hide anything from him. And at this point, they're saying, you know, who sees this? Who knows really what's going on? Well, God knows and he sees and woe to them that hide their counsel far from the Lord. We need to, as we speak to others, give them the counsel of the Lord, what the word of God has to say. And I pray that we do that. There's a lot of counsel that's out there, but there's a difference between godly counsel and worldly, worldly counsel. And we want to give others godly counsel from the word of God. And, and in verse 16, surely you have things turned around. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? For shall the thing made say of him who made it, he did not make me? Or shall the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding? Isn't this amazing? isn't this what we're seeing today? You know my heart was really heavy to pray for our young people today because I wonder what kind of world that it's going to be for them when they get to be my age. We have some that are going to be graduating. I have a son that's going to be graduating from UNC in just a week and a half. I got my youngest son who's graduating from high school. And, you know, we got a number of kids I, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 kids in the high school group that are graduating from high school. Some of these kids I've known since the day they were born. And it's sobering. And I think about what kind of world is it going to be for them. Because things have changed so much since I was in high school, before dirt was invented so many years ago. Since I've been in ministry for the last 25 years. And we need to pray for them. They're going to be the future leaders of the church. And we need to pray for them, and we need to encourage them, and we need to bless them. And that's been heavy on my heart. You know, I see the things that are going on around this world, and the craziness, and I read this, shall the potter be esteemed as the clay and shall the thing made say of him who made it he did not make me or shall the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding I hope that you be praying for our vacation Bible school because the whole theme is that God created you and he loves you and he has a wonderful plan for you And our kids are being told different. There's no God that created you, you evolved. Don't believe in that religious stuff. Our kids are being told more and more in our society that, you know, God didn't make you a male or female and the whole identity, you know, um, movement that we see, transgender and sexual identity and all of this, and they have a heavy agenda to get into our schools, to get into our culture. And I look at it and I read about it. And I want you to understand my heart. God loves the transgender. He loves the homosexual. But like any other sin that is spelled out in God's word, he's calling them to repent and turn to him. And that's a message that we must stand on. Sue and I have had the privilege of homeschooling our kids for 20 years. We're now done. We've had the freedom to be able to do that. Many of the families here that you've homeschooled your kids. Not everybody's called to homeschool. And by the way, we have public school teachers here that are so awesome. Will you pray for them? I am so thankful for them in being in the schools and being a light. They need our prayers. And they are such a blessing and a benefit to the kids that are there. And it's not easy for them. And it's not easy for a lot of us in whatever profession that you're in. But we had the privilege and the opportunity to homeschool for 20 years. Our youngest one now going to be graduating in a couple weeks and I think will they have the opportunity if the Lord leads them to homeschool their kids and have that freedom? Because those freedoms are starting to begin to be eroded away in certain parts of our country. There are two bills in California that are before the state legislature that is taking away the freedom of homeschoolers. And in those bills, what they're saying is that if you're gonna homeschool, you have to meet a certain curriculum that is approved by us. Well, do you think that a parent's gonna be able to teach creation science that's mandated by the state? Are they gonna be forced to have to teach evolution? We don't know. Those are questions that are being asked right now and debated, and the parents have to be certified and qualified in a certain way. What does that mean? And the state has the right to come into your home and inspect your home. That's what's being proposed. Not only that, but we're going to take your name and your address and we're going to put it on a website in California's Department of Education and we're going to advertise it. And they're saying, why do you need to do that? This is real, folks. And Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel Chino Hills ha- has been informing his people on it and mobilizing his people to write those in the state legislature. There is another issue that is coming up that is before California, AB 292943, And what this bill has already passed through the state assembly, now ready to uh, go to the state senate, And it makes it unlawful for any person to sell books, counseling services, or anything else that helps someone overcome unwanted same-sex attraction or gender identity confusion. In other words, under this bill, a religious ministry cannot hold a conference on maintaining sexual purity if the conference encourages attendees to avoid homosexual behavior. A bookstore, which we have a bookstore, could not sell any recently published books challenging gender identity ideology in advocating that these beliefs should be rejected by society a pastor paid to speak at an event addressing current social topics could not encourage attendees that they can prevail over same-sex desires or feelings that they were born the wrong sex and so what are going to be the penalties are they going to enforce it are they going to be able in california to teach from the bible the undefiled word of god This is what we're facing, folks. And usually what happens in California happens quickly. The other states begin to follow. And so that's why we need to be praying. And and I read this, and I think, you know, what's going on in Canada? uh, You see an aggressive movement of, you know, this this soci uh, curriculum in, in the schools of Five-year-olds that are singing songs that maybe I'm not a boy and it's okay to dress as a girl. That's what they're singing. And drag queens that are coming reading books to them. And it is being pressed right now in Canada that if your child goes home and and says that this is what I was taught, that it's okay to be homosexual, it's okay for transgender, do you realize our government has 91 official genders? I think 91. (laughs) On Facebook, what I understand, that they have a choice of 73. And I'm thinking, what is going on? But if you go home, five-year-old tells the parents, and parents say, we don't disagree with this. Our faith doesn't agree with this. Then what they're trying to do is take parental rights away. That you're endangering your kid and you're abusing your kid. You don't think we don't live in perilous times? And the church, how's the church going to respond to this? And I think my son and my daughters, are they gonna have the freedom if they have children to homeschool? And these guys that are gonna be the future of the church because I'm not gonna last forever. What's it gonna be like for them? I remember hearing those guys, you know, the first generation Calvary Chapel guys, Talk about that persecution can come to our country. I thought, ah, no way. To to Christians. You know, persecution to Christians in the United States. I thought, ah, that's an overstatement. Now I'm, I'm listening to what they're saying and thinking that can come very quickly. And the church needs to be praying. And I've been gathering with these young guys. And one of the things that we're doing, we have staff meeting on Tuesday and we pray. And I've been extending that time with you know jesse and with travis and with luke and you know jim and john and we gather together and we're going over to calvary chapel distinctives again i want them to understand that this is what our ministry is about to teach the undefiled word of god in the power of the holy spirit to love the people And this is what we're going to continue to do this is what i learned from my pastor pastor chuck and i want to leave that to you and it could get very much harder one of the things that the lord's put on my heart is to you know about a year or so ago i did a young timothy class for high school Uh, young guys and for young adults. I'm going to start that up again in June. A couple in June, July, and August for those guys to come together and to hear from their senior pastor to encourage them to be men of God. To grow up to be men of the Word and men of integrity. And I said, guys, we've got to stick to the integrity of the Word of God. And if they shut us down in five years, ten years, they pulled the plug on the radio, we're going to stay true to the integrity of the Word of God. And we're going to love people enough to tell them that there's sin and that God made you the way that he made you. Even as Romans chapter 9, Paul writes, the clay doesn't say to the potter, did you make me this way? That even as David wrote in Psalm 139 that you were wonderfully and skillfully made in your mother's womb. And he wants us to give that truth to others. And he wants us to come to him. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? For shall the things made say of him who made it, he did not make me? There's a wonderful creator that made you, and he loves you because he died for you, and has a wonderful plan for you, and has a plan for young people. But let's not become sleepy and and go into a spiritual stupor and funk. But we are seeing exactly what the scripture says. As Paul, some of his last words said, that in the last days is going to be perilous times and evil men and imposters are going to grow worse and worse. You've heard me teach on this several times over the last couple months. And you must continue in the scriptures, Timothy, that you've known from childhood. And know this, that the time's going to come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but they will give their ears over had itchy ears to, to fables and myths and heap up teachers for themselves. Paul said it's coming and we're seeing it come. That in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, there's very much a hint, and we see it in the book of Revelation, there's going to be a great falling away. I pray for our nation that there's revival because I am convinced more than ever that that is the hope for our nation right now. There needs to be a great awakening and the church needs to stand for righteousness and to speak the truth in love, but it is being compromised more and more. We need to pray for these guys, because I wonder what is it they're going to go through? How are they going to be able to minister the truth of God's word? What's going to happen? So we see that in verse 17, it is not yet a very little while till Lebanon shall be turned into fruitful field, and the fruitful field be esteemed as a forest. In that day the deaf shall hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The humble also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the terrible one is brought to nothing, the scornful one is consumed, and all who watch for iniquity are cut off, who make a man an offender by a word and lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate and turn aside the just by empty words. So here we see that um, this is looking forward to the Lord establishing his kingdom. The deaf will hear, the blind will see, I think speaking spiritually and literally. In verse 22, therefore, thus says the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall now be ashamed, nor shall his face now grow pale. But when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will hallow my name and hallow the Holy One of Jacob and fear the God of Israel. These also who erred in spirit will come to understanding and those who complain will learn doctrine. The Lord's going to come back. He's going to restore his people as he uses Jacob. Jacob sometimes is a a name, a title of of God's people. Jacob now uh, shall not be ashamed. And we see that he is going to restore the nation of Israel and he's going to come and rule and reign. And that's when things are going to be right. And so with all this in mind, is he, he's telling them that the Lord is the one that's going to bring you stability. The Lord is the one that's going to open your eyes. The Lord is the one that's going to do a marvelous work. And then in chapter 30, woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord who take counsel but not of me, who devise plans but not of my spirit. That they may add sin to sin. Who walk to go down to Egypt and have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore the strength of Pharaoh shall be your shame and the trust of the shadow of Egypt shall be your humiliation. For his princes were at Zoan and his ambassadors came the Haines, and they were all shame of a people who could not benefit them or be helped their benefit, but a shame and also a reproach. Here we see, as we go into chapter 30, that he says, "Woe to the rebellious children, for you take counsel, but not of me. You're turning to the world, you're turning to Egypt. And Egypt is not going to help you. You won't turn to me. You won't look to me. You go down to Zoan. You make this alliance to seek the strength of Pharaoh. And it's going to end up being your shame and humiliation. You think that they're going to benefit you. And here's Judah wanting to make this alliance with Egypt. And the Lord is saying, I brought you out of Egypt. (laughs) And now you want to trust in them? How many times Christians will trust in in the philosophy and the ways of the world? And even though Egypt saw Israel and Judah as a reproach, you're going to go to them? And it seemed like it was so logical, but they were not going to be of any help. Verse 6, the burden against the beasts of the south, through a land of trouble and anguish, in which comes the lioness and lion, the viper and fiery flying serpent, they will carry their riches on the backs of their young donkeys and their treasures on the humps of camel to people who shall not profit. For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore I have called her Rahab Ham Shabbeth. So you trusted in Egypt? They're going to gain you nothing. You sent your wealth down to them? Egypt is not going to profit. You, Egypt, would sit idly by it as the Assyrians came into Israel, took them away captive, and then down into Judah and surrounded Jerusalem. Even though they tried to make alliances and pay them off and pay tribute to them and all of this, Egypt just said, you're on your own. And that's what the world and that's what the enemy will do. It's not going to profit you. It's not going to help you. Rabbah means, as they called that place, means pride, arrogance. The pride and arrogance of Israel, of Egypt you turn to. In verse 8, Now go write it before them on a tablet and note it on a scroll that it may be for a time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord, who say to the seers, do not see and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things, speak to us smooth things, prophesy deceits, get out of the way, turn aside from the path cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. It's talking about the rebellion of the people. Hey, we don't want to hear what the prophets are saying. We don't want to hear the truth that God's word and we want you to speak to us smooth things happy messages we're not going to mention sin we're not going to mention any of those things that you need to repent and that's what the people wanted in this day for therefore thus says the Holy One of Israel because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perversity and rely on them Therefore, this iniquity shall be to you like a breach ready to fall, like a bulge in a high wall whose breaking comes suddenly in an instant. And he shall break it like the breaking of the potter's vessel, which is broken in pieces. He shall not spare, so there shall not be found among its fragments. The Lord is honest, isn't he? And he's honest because he loves us. And any time that we abandon the word of God and we turn to other things and other voices and, you know, the philosophy of the world and the ways of the world and we're trusting in Egypt, then this is what's going to happen. It's like a broken cistern. It's like a, a broken wall. It's going to come all crumbling around you. Because there are a lot of voices that are out there. A lot of smooth talking that's out there. And may we have the wisdom to filter it through the word of God. So as we read this, he goes on, he says, a shard to take fire from the hearth and to take water from the cistern. So does the Lord just leave us there? They all discouraged and a bummer of a message here And as he's rebuking them? No, he gives them correction. In verse 15, We're going to see the first thing that they were to do, for thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved in quietness and confidence shall be your strength, but you would not come. So first of all, he says, go to me, come to, to me. So first of all, when we need counsel, when we need wisdom, are we going to turn to Egypt or are we going to go to the Lord? And he says, in returning to rest, you shall be saved, and quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Confidence in the word of God, in the promises of God given to you and to me. But one of the saddest uh, things that we read in the scripture, says, but you would not. I pray that's no one here tonight, that you need God's wisdom, direction, you need God's word in your life, and whatever it is that you're facing, you need God's counsel, but you're not going to the Lord, you're not going to the word of God. But in every area of our lives that we would look to him, they would not go. And you said, no, for we will flee on horses, therefore you shall flee, and we will ride on swift horses, therefore those who pursue you will be swift and 1,000 shall flee at the threat of one. And the threat of five you shall flee. Till you are left as a pole on top of the mountain, as a banner on a hill. Listen, you're going to flee at the sight of one. You know, it was the Lord that speaks of Israel when they trusted in him. That, that one, you're going to be able to come against a 1,000. Now it's the opposite. Flip, because you're not looking to me. And 1,000 shall flee at the threat of one, you guys. And then second of all, what is it that we're to do? He's trying to get them to turn to him, go to him. Second of all, therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. Second of all, you wait on him. So you go to him, those of you who need counsel, who need wisdom, you go to him and then you wait on him because he's going to be gracious to you. And waiting on the Lord sometimes can be hard. As we live in that instant world. And therefore he will be exalted. He may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. You're going to be blessed as you wait on the Lord. Let him guide you. Let him work in your life. To see that his promises are true for you. And then for the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers. In verse 21, underline it. For your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, listen, you hear tonight, I'm going to close with this. you got decisions to make. You're confused. You're being overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. Go to Him. Wait on Him. And then thirdly, hear from Him. He promises as you go to Him, that you will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, go to the right, go to the left. So I wanna encourage all of us. <clears throat> the weather's getting nice. Beautiful day, wasn't it? I understand we got a nice weekend coming up, and next week's supposed to be nice. And again, we got a lot of things that we need to do yard work, maybe you're out working in the fields, uh, school work, all these different things that need to be done. But I wanna encourage you listen. Go to him, wait on him, hear from him. Take your Bible, take a, a pad and a pen, and go get away. And you say, Lord, I, I need to hear from you. Because I've heard from these people, I've heard from this thing, I've read that but Lord, I need to hear from you and allow the Lord to speak to you in his word and to speak to you in that still, small voice. To hear from him and he promises. And listen, I know that some of you, that you got decisions to make or you need his wisdom. We all need his wisdom but you go and spend time with him. We get so much in a hurry and out the door and, and Lord, I'm busy and all of this. Go to him. Wait on him. And you will hear from him. He promises. And he'll give you that peace that rules in your heart, Colossians chapter 3. And that voice behind you saying, This is the way I want you to go. And then trust in Him. Because if you trust in what the world is saying and what everybody else is saying to you that is contrary to His Word, it's going to be like a broken cistern. It's going to be like a wall that's going to come collapsing. And it's all going to be in vain. Trust in Him look to his word so father we thank you we thank you so much for this portion of Isaiah it's not always easy to read but it is for us it's for us today and Lord how you desire to speak to us and to guide us for us to know your word to trust in your word to stand on your word And here we see a people that wouldn't come. A people that were blinded and stumbling, not with intoxicating drink, but because they refused to listen to you. And it broke your heart, Lord. Maybe they honored you with their lips, but removed from their hearts from you was the reality. So, Lord, I pray that tonight, right now, if anybody's here, that you, you got decisions to make. You need to hear from the Lord. That, Lord, as they come to you and look to your word, to your promises, and to your love, that they would wait on you, knowing that they're going to hear from you because you want the very best for our lives. And Lord, sometimes when we do hear from you, we think, Lord, how's that gonna work? And, but we can just trust that you're going to work and rest in your promises. Father, I pray for the next day or few days that we would really spend time with you as we seek you for those things, Lord, that we're wondering about or confused or hurting in, to allow you to minister to us. Father, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you that we have freedom in Christ, forgiveness, that we have the hope of heaven and we have your truth. And I pray that we would never take that for granted. And Lord, once again we do pray for our nation that there would be a great awakening, an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I know it's going to begin with the church getting on its knees and standing for righteousness. May we not compromise the integrity of the Scriptures. if we take a beating for it or whatever the consequences Lord that we would trust in you we don't want to be belligerent we don't want to be offensive we want to just give truth and love and we know that the gospel is going to offend but Lord we look to you They stay true to you. And Lord, help us to live for you because the world is dark and they need to see light. And Father, I pray even tonight if there's anyone here listening that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. He loves you. And the gospel's for you. Whatever your life is like, Because he died for your sins. He loves you. And he rose again from the grave and he's alive. And the invitation is given to you to come. To turn away from the world and turn away from your sins. And to surrender your life to him. Be forgiven. To become a new creation in Christ. Come in faith right where you are. Today's the day of salvation. Tonight, you say, Jesus, I come to you and I ask that you would forgive me of my sins because I believe you died on Calvary's cross for me and that your word is true and that you're alive, risen from the grave. And I ask that you would be my personal Lord and Savior. And I want to know you and walk with you. And I give my life to you now. Father, I pray for all of us that we would have a commitment to you and for us as a church to pray for one another. Pray for our young people. Pray for our families. We pray for the teachers that are in the schools, that you would strengthen them and keep them strong in you to be a light. We pray for the Christian that's in the hospital working nurses, we got doctors. We pray for those who are working in construction and out in the oil fields. We pray for those who are mechanics. We pray for those working the land. I thank you that you place us in every areas of life, in the office, at the store, in the restaurant, and help us wherever we are to be light to you, to others, So Lord, keep us strong in you. We thank you for tonight. I pray you take everyone home safely now. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. God is good. Would you please stand?